Welcome to Asbury Pod with your hosts, Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, Amy is joined by a special guest and co-host to discuss the upcoming Bands Off Our Bodies rally to be held in Springwood Park on Saturday, July 9th at 4 p.m. Comedian and fellow Asbury Park Women's Convention founder Jess Alamo helps Amy welcome community activist Michelle Gladden, Ocean High School student Nevea Sickles, and musician slash mixed martial artist Angie Sugram. They discuss what brought them to this moment and what you can expect from the rally. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark, so subscribe to Asbury Park, I mean pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark, everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. From Route 35 to Convention Hall, it's very pod. Covers it all as Berry Pod. I love you. I love you. Hello, Asbury Pod listeners. You are in store for a special Asbury Pod today on 4th of July. Happy 4th. We put together, thanks to Ming, uh, a podcast uh, related to the, the rally that's coming together, Bands on Our Bodies. And so I'm going to let you all just do like a minute introduction on yourselves. But um, I have to acknowledge one thing. Jess is on this podcast. (laughs) After having two podcasts that Jess and I both did, we both got drunk on both of them. And then we both said crazy shit. And neither one of those podcasts have aired. So so fingers crossed. (laughs) This is the time that Jess and I, I I think hopefully if Jess and I are like the host and kind of asking you guys questions about it, that it would potentially be an airable podcast, Jess. So, and I'm not drinking. I'm actually not drinking. So so that does us us some good. So, okay. I I will be sober throughout this podcast. I didn't really have any drinks. I made that up. But we were drunk for the other two, right? That's yeah. what, that was part of the problem. It was a different kind of drunk too. We were we were alcoholic seltzer drunk, which is which is not something I normally drink. So I don't. Just brought these white claws, and I don't normally drink. We're saying this with a high school student here, so maybe we shouldn't. But <laughs> it was like the white claws, and I didn't. I don't. I've never had them before. So when I drank like two or three of them, they went. I don't know how many people normally drink, but clearly I should not drink two or three white claws and expect to be able to conduct the podcast, right? So I'm going to tell our listeners um, who we have, and then maybe Michelle, we could start with you, do a little introduction, and um, and uh, we're going to start this dialogue, okay? 
and this is like a national issue, which is also not really something that um, we don't do a lot of national issues on Asbury Park. I mean, we touch on them, but we usually do Asbury related stuff. So we have, um, I'm just going to let you introduce, you, all of you kind of introduce yourselves. So our, our listeners here. So Michelle Glenn, I'm going to bounce it to you first. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Michelle Gladden. Um, since coming to Asbury, I've worked in hospitality, been a journalist within this community, um, worked as a communications director for a couple local nonprofits, also executive director of the Asbury Park Arts Council until recently, and, um, you know, just all around community advocate. Yes. Jess um, is my co-host today. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, this will be... No pressure, Jess. No pressure. <laughs> my name is Jess Alamo. Hopefully, this will be the first podcast uh, that airs that I do, because um, the other few could not. Um, I am a local comedian. Um, I did the Asbury Park Women's Convention with Amy and a bunch of other wonderful women, including Michelle. Um, and I'm just an all-around cool guy. What can I say? And that's that's it. <laughs> I second that. She is an all-around cool guy. Yeah. Nevea, did I say your name, your first name right? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm killing it. I have to say, I'm so excited for you, Nevea. One, I think you're the first high school student I've ever had on. And I listen, I'm just going to immediately compliment you and say to have like a high school student really passionate about this kind of national issue um, warms my heart on so many levels. Thank you. Well, yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Nevaeh Sickles. I am a high school student. I'm just going into my senior year at, at Ocean High School. So, yeah. Awesome. Angie. Hi. Uh, my name is Angie Sugram. I'm from Asbury Park community, and uh, I've worked in Asbury Park, lived in Asbury Park, um, I'm a musician. I, uh, my degree is in political science with the concentrations on women's studies. So apparently I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. And, and you're not a lesbian. I'm not, but well, I've often been. So whoever dance. runs that women's studies department has, has a lot of questions for you. <laughs> We've all tried. More than once that I'm honorary. So I appreciate that accolade. And, uh, I also practice martial arts and I won my first kickboxing fight this year at the age of 41. So anything's possible, ladies. And how did you get into um, martial arts? I, I always liked watching it. And then I had, I, I lucked out and a former fighter uh, began training in the Asbury Park area and I fell in with him and uh, started learning from him. And then I went, eventually I went to an academy and now I'm at Kurt Pellegrino's in a, uh, Belmar practicing there. So. Wow. Yeah. And was that pre-pandemic or during the pandemic? Actually, I was able to use the time that I got back to myself from, you know, everything being shut down during the pandemic to really like focus on that. So I spent the last two years studying it pretty closely. And Angie, you spent like a month or two overseas, right? I did. I went to Thailand and I studied mixed martial arts there for a month at an academy there. So that was life changing wow. experience. Yes. It was fun. Like watching. you slept there? 
I, I, I stay there for two months. Yeah. And uh, there's like uh, different places to stay, but there's a street in Thailand that's all like mixed martial arts camps. And uh, I just went there and stayed there for two months and practiced. Oh my God. I feel like that's a separate podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all stuff that I never thought I'd be able to do because of like limitations that society puts on you as a woman and for, you know, other reasons. And and I finally figured out a way to do it. I'm really glad I did. And I think if anybody else out there is listening, you could also do it too. And you should not hesitate. Wow. I'm super impressed with that. And I have to ask Nevaeh, I have to ask, is high school as horrendously bad as we all remember it being? Um, well, I don't. <laughs> That's a long pause. So it is. It's exactly as bad as every one of us remembers it, which was just something you survived to get through to get to whatever you're going to do next. I heard it's less clicky now. Like Breakfast Club doesn't make sense to people in school now because like those clicks aren't so rigid. I feel like it's not super clicky, but I feel like there is definitely still clicks. Because I feel like me and my friends are more like, oh, like the AP kids. And then there's like a whole different like group, like, oh, these kids. And like, there's like specific like sports groups and there's like. Got it. And there's like, is it, is it, and again, I'm asking this because it's been 20 years since I've been in high school, probably 25 years now. So is there still like jocks, cheerleaders, we used to call them druggies, I'm not sure if that's even a politically correct word anymore. Stoners, Amy. Stoners. Come on. <laughs> and then the gay kids, which I was, right? So me and, what, what, and uh, you know, also I won't use derogatory terms. We used to call ourselves derogatory terms, but we were all the gay kids that hung out together. Is there still like though the same identifiable clicks 25 years later, or are they different clicks now? They're still like the broader ones, but I feel like they're more broad. Cause I feel so like describe that. So I feel like there are like the jocks and then like the nerds, but there's also, but there's no like, and like the stoners, but there's no like, like the gay kids. They're not like singled out. Like they're all like in each group. Oh. Or, or people, not that less people were gay when I was growing up or when Amy was growing up, but now I hope anyway, that more people can be open about it. Yeah. So I guess, little less less weird yeah well, i went to catholic school so you could oh, be gay yeah no it was an unpleasant experience across the board um we were not mixing with other groups no group would have us <laughs> they thought i think they thought it was contagious too bad it wasn't an all-girls school that would have been better. right right <laughs> right <laughs> this was not fair i would be a totally different person now if i went to an all-girls school no doubt no doubt Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, so I'm just going to briefly kind of talk about how this came to fruition. And I have to give tremendous credit to Jess. So years ago, after the Hillary Clinton loss, we kind of got to get well, Jess, you tell the story. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, after Trump won, and after the Women's March, I was just fired up. And I really had no place to put it. Because I didn't like I knew Amy casually from the years I would hang out in Asbury, but I didn't really know anyone in politics. And um, I went to the Women's March and I got like so incredibly motivated by these everyday women who are now my friends, which is really cool, who did this huge thing. And um, I forget how it even came about, but I think I just messaged Amy and I. I oh, this is how it actually happened. I was. Um, are we allowed to talk about uh, stoners? 
right now because I uh, that's kind of how I got the idea. I was at a tent camping and I woke up in the morning and I had this crazy idea. We need to do a women's convention in Asbury Park. And that's the day I reached out to you, Amy. <laughs> and you said that you were thinking of something similar. I just had like this weird revelation. And um, then we met up at Johnny Max <laughs> as as all good revolutions start at Johnny <laughs> Max. And, and, and then we, you know, we we did the women's convention, which was a pretty awesome thing. And we did yeah, so that first year we did the panels of close to a thousand people showed up to it. And so then- I want to I jump in and interrupt because I know my cat's howling in the back and I'm sorry about that, <laughs> but I want to jump in. She's got the right to voice her opinion. I want to jump in and say that Jess Limo is someone that brought us all together, right? Like this was your idea. You came up with the women's convention. You motivated us, your vision. We have come together year after year because of your vision. And I just want to thank you for that. You helped stir something in a whole community that was, complacent for a long time and i just want to give you props for that jess i mean i even and for this most recent one you were texting me on like a sunday i forget what day but i couldn't deal with it when you were texting me so she's like we have to do a rally we have to do a rally and i'm like just i can't deal with this right now oh i think it was in court i think it was in court zoom court yeah. And I was like, dude, I cannot deal. And you're like, I, I have to do it. I have to do it. We have to block this day. We have to get online and do social media. And I've also quit Facebook. So I didn't know what was happening online. And you're like, I'm just going to do it. And I was like, okay, I, I can't deal with it right now, but do whatever it is you have to do. And we'll figure it out later. That's yeah, I a mean, summary of it. No. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Tell me what you were feeling at that moment when you were texting her and what was going through your mind, your, your energy, your body. Tell me what you were feeling. What, what did that elicit for you? Um, well, thankfully I am a very, or, or not thankfully. I mean, if you ask anyone in my family, it's a bad thing. I'm a very compulsive person. I make rash decisions (laughs) and, um, in many ways, that's a bad thing. Like with this, I was, I was like, you know, I was so fired up. I was like, we need to do this. And I, and I, you know, made all the phone calls and got everything going. And then two days later I was panicking Oh my God. Like, what did I, what did I do? I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. Like it, 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 I made myself panic a little because with this, it's so necessary. But I think what people forget is the amount of work that goes into these things and how often it falls on just a a few of the women who are organizing this stuff. And it can be a scary thing to take on. And after we hadn't done it for a few years with COVID and, and complacent was the right word. um, It's definitely a little scary getting back into it. And I'm very thankful that I, you know, jump into decisions before I think them through it or else I wouldn't have any of my good ideas. <laughs> and concurrently, Nemea is going through the same thing, right? You're like, I'm feeling the same way. Yeah, I basically, I was so angry. It was like the day after my family, we were going camping and on our boat on the way to Fire Island, I was like, I, I turned to my mom and I was like, um, I'm going to hold a walk. And she was like, okay. I had no idea that there was like specific requirements like per each town. I was just like, I'm going to do it. I made a poster. I like put it out on all my social media. I was like, I'm going to do it. And not until after Jess talked to my mom about how there is requirements and it's costly 
that I looked into it and I contacted like the the city council and I talked to the police and they're all like, yeah, um, there's like a lot you have to do. It's like 30 days in advance and it's like a $500 deposit. And I was like, oh, it's like that. So great. first of all, nobody knows that you're, you're so people. So let me just tell you, I'm going to put my deputy mayor hat on. People have no idea of the planning that goes into any of these. So when I'm not on Facebook, Jess puts this, this event up, you put this event up, the police department is freaking out because (laughs) you've both picked like the busiest day out of all the entire year. You've picked 4th of July weekend with the African-American festival, the Asbury Juke summer stage, which sells out, even if nobody... If people don't know who they are, they sell out. They get a huge, huge crowd. And fireworks, African-American festival, and Asbury Jukes, the the Stone Pony Summer Stage. So you two do this event. I don't see any of it. I mean, Jess told me she was doing it. I did say do it. We'll figure it out later. Um, The police department is like, what the... So yeah. because we need a ton of police for fireworks, because we we go from a city of 15,000 to like 75,000 for fireworks. Uh, Stone Pony Summer Stage alone, what, at least another five to seven thousand right there. And then the African-American Festival, which is going to get you certainly a couple of hundred, if not a couple of thousand as well. But the other element of it that gets complicated is, are they going to bring in anti-protesters? So, for example, for Pride. We don't get a lot, but we certainly get a number of anti-protesters that come and protest the Pride event every year. Um, And over the years, it's gotten smaller, but there were times where we used to get very, very big protests. So this was an event where, you know, hard to say how big of a protest, protesters protesting our protest we were going to get. And we're still not clear on it. But I say all that to say nobody knows that unless you've actually gone through the rigmarole of an event. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, So one, I'm going to give you both credit for after I spoke to both of you, I feel like everybody was like, we're going to move this to a different day. And and the great news with that is we moved it before the National Women's March. So the National Women's March movement also has a protest planned on July 9th for this issue. Um, And 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 Angie, talk to us about the issue just for people who don't know about the the rally for bans on our bodies next week. Sure. Uh, So unfortunately, after years of manipulating the machinery that is the United States federal government, very conservative minorities have infiltrated. And basically, in some cases, it's akin to like installing somebody, but they have very powerful people with really conservative opinions making big decisions about the country. And these people are very concerned with policing morality of people that do not look like them. So they went after to start with um, trans rights Um, earlier this year. There's been like a huge assault on that. And there's always been, of course, an assault on minorities rights in this country throughout its history. Unfortunately, it's a part of that history. But um, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which has existed for 50 years, is unheard of and probably unprecedented in the United States history that the Supreme Court would act so Uh, basically like a rogue organization and overturn a long established law that's deeply entrenched into the culture and legislation of the United States. 
So uh, as a response to that, we've all got to organize and let them know that that's not going to happen while we're around. So that's what this band, uh, this band's Off Our Bodies March is about. And a lot of people are saying, like, why do you have to do it in New Jersey if you can still get an abortion in New Jersey? And first of all, I think that's a really selfish way of looking at things. I mean, and it's the I, same people who said, well, never overturn Roe versus Wade. That'll yeah. never happen, Amy. You don't have to worry. Trump's a good guy. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, you know, in New Jersey, Chris Smith, who is in District 4, you know, Titton Falls and uh, a lot of Ocean County, but some of Monmouth County as well. Um, he made a statement last week that he would like to overturn abortion in New Jersey. And I don't know if you guys have noticed just looking around in the last like six years or so around our state, but it's gotten weird. Um, like I can't drive anywhere without seeing huge let's go Brandon flags, which is ironic because those are the people who are like, do you have to tell everyone you're gay all the time? And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, so I want to step in here as the old lady in the room um, who grew up in New Jersey, which when I was growing up was very much more of a red state and very few really, truly liberal places to live. Um, I'm going to say that for me, this has been an issue my whole entire life. Uh, you know, Roe was established in 1973 and it was a seven to two decision. And while uh, Jane Roe, who was I don't know if people know this was a fictitious name for Norma McCorvey, um, while, you know, it was a it was a great decision by the numbers, they even what she was seeking for, they even pulled back on that. The court pulled back on that. And not that I disagree with the court's original decision, but they found that 24 weeks was the viable amount of time for a woman to choose. And they used the argument of, you know, the 14th Amendment and the right of privacy uh, within that clause, which guarantees, you know, our liberty and due process, right? So it was well established. Now, you think a decision by the Supreme Court that was well established. No, they kept chipping away at it. I remember in the 90s, we were fighting this. I believe it was a Pennsylvania case where the women we had to. I was very politically active back then. We had to get back up and fight for this. And Quinn, you remember eight months ago, I called you up. I'll admit I was a little drunk and probably, you know, not my best self. You were at work. And I was like, nobody's showing up for these rallies. They're going to overturn it. And you're like, glad and I'm at work. Um, but, you know, for me, it's been a passionate thing because they have been trying ever, for years. They keep, you know, it was 1992, then it was 2003, then it was 2007, then it was 2016. It's been they've been chipping and chipping and chipping away at our inalienable rights. We are women. We have a right to decide what we want to do with our body. And I'm sorry, I'm not. Again, listen, I as a kid wanted plenty of children. The universe didn't grant me that. Right. That's fine. I don't have a problem with people who want to whatever reason, even if they're in a terrible situation, they're pro-life and they want to bring that child into the world. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is you telling me that I can't make a decision as a grown person about my own body and my life. Especially when it's about their religion, when this country 
is not a Christian country. This country has freedom of religion and people just completely forget that. But I also oh, think no, we have to we have to bring prayer back. Oh, they actually did just make that decision, didn't they? They did. But yeah. I, I just want to hear Nevaeh. Um, so what's interesting to me is that um, high school students are up in arms about this decision, or certainly you are. Do you think, are you representational of a large base or? Um, I do think that from what I've posted about, a lot of young girls like my age and even like 12 have like talked to me about it are super proactive and been like, ah, oh, I think it's amazing that you want to put on and you're organizing a rally with the women's convention. Like I wanted to do that in my town. Like, I think it's great. Like this is absolutely disgusting that they're trying to tell us what we can do, especially there is um, the 10 year old. In Ohio, yeah. 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 And it's just even when I was like a freshman, I was doing projects about the abortion laws in my public speaking class. He was like my public speaking teacher had us do a just do like a rant on your values. I was like, OK, he's like any value. It could be anything. And I was like, OK, let's do abortion laws. And my teacher was basically like, this is great. He was like, this is great info, but it was in Alabama and about the Alabama Human Life Protection Act, mm. where the women, the woman governor signed the act. It didn't go through, but it's basically what's happening now, but in every state. But it's whatever... <sighs> I just don't, it's not that I don't understand as they have some interesting counter views on it, but I don't think that as the Supreme Court allowing the states to decide is plausible as it's more than 50% of the population is women. And you're just, and you're not accounting for a good 51, 52% of our population. And even there are, there are some women who are pro-life and that's totally fine, but you shouldn't tell me that I can or can't, especially even like growing up, my mom's been super like protective being like, there's like rapists everywhere. Like I can't like go out by myself. Like I'm scared to go out by myself. Like I carry like an alarm on my keys. Like when I go out, I have to like reach into my car. So I'm not like swept. There's like crazy stories of like sexual assault, rape and like even like sex trafficking. And even now that our bodies are being more regulated than even like say like gun control or like the amount of kids in foster care that are missing is crazy. Yeah. I don't think there's a woman who goes out 
in this country who's not doesn't check behind them a couple times doesn't either have mace or their keys ready when it's dark to i mean there isn't a that you know i don't know at least i don't know a woman who isn't constantly in a state of alert right it's a luxury that that we don't have that that there's ever a time that you can totally relax if you're walking to your car and and the, it's one thing to I mean it's it, the horrific experience of being being assaulted, but then imagine being in a state where now you don't have bodily at- autonomy. So the assault happens, and now you have to carry your rapist's baby. I mean, it, it's it's just it, it, I I I don't I can't even imagine. Um, it's like being assaulted all over again, really. Um, and. You know, I think what we're trying to do, at least with this rally, is like like Michelle was talking about, they've been chipping away at Roe versus Wade for years. And that's kind of the conservatives way is, you know, they play the long game. Um, This didn't just start with Trump. I mean, they've been doing this for years. This was the ultimate goal and they made it happen. Whereas for liberals and Democrats, it's kind of we're more reactionary. And, um, you know, when the bad things happen, then we get off our ass and and we care. And I think that this should be a point where and I hope that we can help do this is have people not feel good about going to a rally. I mean, we need to feel good about what we're going to do after the rally. And we need to give women tools going forward to actually fix these things, because the other people, that's what they're doing. And we need to do a little better. Yeah, I mean, this is going to now end up in the polls, right? I think this is now a fight that's going to be uh, everyone has to step up and get out the vote because that's where this is going to be land. You know, each state has the right to craft their own legislation and then fight it out, duke it out in the courts. But then that causes a cacophony of what is happening in where I live. And as somebody who's getting ready to move to another state, I'm closely watching what is going to be happening, right, in whatever state I pick to live in. What is what is happening on that landscape and what are my rights? Because what I don't want to do is move to what I think is a progressive community and then learn, oh, wait, this really isn't a progressive community. Right. Um, And that's across the board. We uh, there's an interesting thing that I wanted to bring out on this podcast. uh, And I think that people need to know this. So um, and I'm I'm sorry that it takes us out of the line of conversation. But Jane Roe McCorvey, I don't know if you guys know this, but in 1998, after she had undergone two, quote unquote, religious conversions, she then declared her opposition to abortion. Right. Do you yeah, guys. There's been a documentary yeah, it. there's been a yeah. documentary about. Yeah. It OK, seen, I just right? want to make sure people know yeah. that. But then when, in 2020, when she was on her deathbed, she actually said that she was paid by anti-abortion groups to support their cause and that that right. wasn't for her intent. Right. So I think we need to think about who we are as women and what that empowerment looks like and protecting one another into not getting into those safe holds. Right. So if you get a person at their weakest moment, you know, it's kind of like when you get a prisoner in a jail and you 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 batter them down to admit to a crime that they didn't do. Right. 
it's that same kind of principle where what are we doing to the women? Are we really empowering the women in our nation or are we, you know, there's a small majority of men who are allies. And I say a small majority, I didn't think there was, but we see it now on the landscape that believe that a woman has the right to choose. And while 61% of the country feel that abortion should be legal, that is not what we're facing today. You know, and maybe, go ahead, Quinn. No, I was just going to say to both your point and Jess's point about, you know, Angie, I know you're progressive or although sometimes I, I don't love that de- definition. De- de- anyway, that's a podcast for another day. But I was just going to say just in terms of, you know, the Democrats kind of always being I'm sort of with Jess on that reactionary, like not long game planning. And I'll give another example in New Jersey where we had a huge number of real conservatives taking over school board races and winning them. And it was a very, as somebody who's involved in local politics and knows the amount of work it takes to run a a local campaign. And it's, it's, you know, thousands of dollars and thousands upon thousands of hours of your time of knocking on doors and, you know, um, the paperwork and fundraising, you know, the, the Republicans continue to have a far better um, method to getting a, you know, a long game plan. Just, just curious about your thoughts on it. Cause I find it infuriating the demo- feeling similar to just that the Democrats just kind of react. No, I, I share your frustration. I mean, this felt like the darkest day in history for American women. And then you felt like the response you got from your federal government was kind of like just hand wringing and not much else, you know, which is devastating because here you are like putting all your, you're like, okay, I'm electing these people. They share my values. They're going to carry out what we all know is common sense and good for the country. And then that's the complete opposite is what happened. And you're just left like bewildered and frustrated and really angry and not even sure where to direct that anger. I think it's important to remember that um, the conservative party does not play a fair game. And for years they have been doing tricks like gerrymandering denying Supreme Court justices to presidents that were supposed to get appointments, um, stacking courts with federal judges and, uh, you know, local prosecutors and things like that. So unfortunately, you have people that have, you know, it's gatekeeping. These people have their power. They want to conserve it. They only want to spread it to people that will carry out what they think is the right thing. It doesn't matter how many people it hurts or that that's not the point of this democracy. And then they use all kinds of like tricks to keep hold on to that power. I mean, any kind of power that's been given up to any minority in this country has been wrestled away many times with blood involved. And, you know, these people are not going to back down as long as they think people like us are actually making progress and and getting somewhere and going to challenge their idea of what their cisgender white Christian nation should be. So I feel frustration with our response, but it's important to look at how these people do not play fair. And then I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but, uh, but it's not, I, I don't want to get into the space of where we're blaming the victim or blaming each other when we're being assaulted and oppressed right now by people who are using dirty tricks and really like purely evil strategies to do great harm to women in this generation and far beyond. Well, I think you're, me, the difference is that we as Democrats typically want to be right. We want to do the right thing. We're not necessarily fighters. We're a bunch of Al Gore's, as one of a friend of mine said on a conversation about this recently. You know, we typically are fighting for the right thing where 
the other side may fight to win. Right. We're, and that's not. I got you. you yes, know? because they'll align with each other. People who despise Donald Trump will align with him because they're like, well, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, my agenda is going to get pushed. Right. And we just want to do the right thing. Go ahead, Jess. I'm sorry. Well, at least in the last, you know, 10 years or so, I feel like there's been this movement of progressivism where, you know, nothing less than perfection is accepted. And Mm -hmm. that splits our side down the middle where, you know, on their side, like like Angie said, they will support Donald Trump no matter what, because at the end of the day, he's on their side. And um, I think, you know, a lot of it is to I mean, a lot of it, you know, we need to hold each other accountable, but also it, it has done a lot of damage damage to us as well. Like there's just, I, I know as a millennial and maybe Nevaeh, you can speak about um, Gen Z if it's similar, but I think a lot of this could be solved if we elect more women and more women run for office, more queer people, more women of color. And um, I don't think it's something, you know, to scoff at. And I think a lot of millennials scoff at that and they think, oh, nothing will help. But I think that if people who really have what's good in their heart, and have the drive if they run for office on local levels for school board. That's what the Republicans are doing. They have this well-oiled machine of people starting at school boards, and it really does change the whole scope of our country. And millennials, I don't think they don't want to hear that. Um, at least in my experience, I don't. I, I hope that you know maybe Nevaeh, you can you can tell me if if the younger generation is a little bit different. But I think that really could change the world if we elect more women. I totally agree that that is super big and that could be a really big factor in helping. I know a lot of my generation is a lot more proactive and is super wanting to get involved and super like willing to hear and act. I was just talking to my friends because I know a lot of my friends are super like this is not okay. Like something needs to happen. There needs to be change. I was talking to a lot of my teachers, which I know, I don't know if you guys know, um, her name is Miss Connolly. Allison. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. She told me that, that you're an awesome kid, by the way, or woman. My, um, (laughs) my, uh, us honors teacher, But yes, I loved her. And so she's also super supportive in a lot of our class, like debates. She allows us to like talk about like situations like that. But again, I also wanted to point out that a lot of our government in even just like in general, it's older, older white men. And there's like nothing wrong with them being like being a white man. It's just that they're at the age where most people retire. So a lot of them are pushing like 60 plus, not retiring, but with the same views as they did when they were put into office 30 years ago. So I think a lot more younger people, a lot more women, a lot more uh, people of color, if they came in and putting in like a new, fresher perspective on our government would be really beneficial. One of the things that I was worried about with Jet when Jess was texting me, and I, I'm curious of all of your input on this, was 
when she's like, we got to do something, we got to do something. For me, I was like, well, what does a rally do? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not really clear if that's effective anymore. Um, And I I don't know what to do. I'll be the first to say that. And and I'm happy we're doing this rally. And once we got it going and we have, you know, some, we're going to have some great speakers and we're going to have, you know, some singers and, you know, a po- yeah, hopefully a poet. And, and, and I think all of that's too, great. Right? Are you going to have actionable items too? We're, we're, well, we're putting together actionable items. Yeah. So we, we're going to hopefully, you know, walk people through what they can do, whether it's registering to vote or volunteering or donating money or, but I, I did, I, you know, my hesitation when Jess was texting me is like, I don't know what this does anymore. I, I just don't know what this does anymore. I don't know if it's effective. And, you know, I'd love your guys' perspective on that because I was a little bit like, do I want to put, a, you know, these, even in two weeks' time, it's a tremendous amount of time. And, and we have a large group of people working on this. Um, you know, certainly, what, six or five, any, anywhere from five to seven people working on this rally. So it's a, it's a tremendous amount of time. And, and, you know, you want it to be effective. You want it to facilitate some change. And I just don't know if it, I don't know that it does that anymore. And I'm, I'm, and maybe it never did it in the pandemic has made me see it differently now. I'm not sure, but I'd love all of your perspective on that. Cause I, I was a little lost about, about doing it and what, you know, what we would accomplish with it. I think it's hard to say that it's, well, it's easy to say that they didn't do anything with the state of the country right now, because it feels like we all fought so hard and we organized these events and rallies, you know, the stand against hate, the, you know, families belong together. And at the end of the day, Roe v. Wade was overturned and we're here doing it again. Um, but I think that lessons, at least for me, lessons were learned from the last events that I did, whereas, you know, they were a place where people could come together and be emotional and feel like-minded and feel like they weren't alone, which is all very important. And that's going to happen during this rally as well. And but feel we, safe. Exactly. But we also need to give people actionable items. Like when you leave this rally, this is just the beginning. Um, and I think that's where this one will be different. And we're talking to Planned Parenthood. We're also we're giving the microphone to women who might normally not have a microphone at, you know, the regular rally. I mean, we're really focusing um, on being inclusive to trans rights and um, we have women of color and this isn't just another women's March white lady parade, you know? And I think that we're very, very careful about that. So in an effort to stop that, I'll stop talking right now. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think that we really, I don't know, I've definitely learned lessons from the past ones. Angie, I'd love to hear about what you think. Uh, I've grown up going to marches and rallies, like ever since I was, you know, shortly after I graduated high school, when I was 18, I can remember after um, George W. Bush, you know, as we now know, waged an illegitimate war, um, I, I've just been going to protests like as far as I can remember. And and you do wonder, you know, like, OK, we got together, we walked around like, what did it do? I I think it's important to have a presence. It's important to be able to assemble. It's important to just like just and you said, Michelle, give people a place where they can connect with each other because these decisions and the, the way they make these all of this that you can't walk to your car, you, you can't control what happens to your body. If we get a rally together, is somebody going to shoot us? 
this is one big orchestrated movement to make us feel like we don't have a right to get together and just exist and be who we are and make our lives in the way we want them to be. And everything you can do to just say no to that for as loud and long as you can is a victory and a step in the right direction. So it's just important to to get together and start to problem solve. And if you don't get together, you're not going to effectively problem solve. So maybe it's the first step and it's not like extremely sexy, but it's necessary and it's important. What do you think, Nevaeh? I definitely agree. I feel like there's there's been people DMing me being like, what are you protesting? Like, it's not going to do anything. Like I have people commenting on my stuff, like this is not going to do anything. I'm like, but it's still something like, even though we are in New Jersey, which is a pro-abortion state as of right now, it's still advocating for the women in the States that aren't in our situation who don't have it and are afraid to come together. So us being able to come together and raise awareness for anyone and to create like a community among all of us. I know a whole bunch of guys that are coming too, like within men and women who are coming in like any background, just to make a community is super helpful and I think would make a lot more people proactive. Michelle? Um, Yeah, so I think for me, the thing about this is, uh, again, being the old lady in the room, the mid-50 person who's been at this game a really long time, protesting rallies, signing petitions, all of that stuff. um, I do feel that for me, and I think when I shared this with you, I'm scared as a black straight woman in this American landscape, you've taken away a lot of my inalienable rights in the past year. And with a bunch of legislation that's passed at the Supreme Court level. And, you know, I'm somebody who's respectful, kind to everyone I meet. Um, And I feel as if though now I have to go back to the days of Harriet Tubman or the Green Book and find my network of protectives as I traverse in my regular life. Right. Um, I have to find who are really my allies because sometimes they're fake allies. And I've learned that the hard way. There are people who come into your life and they pretend like they're your ally, but they mean, especially as somebody who is outspoken as I am and tries to learn and and evolve. um, And they know how to play that against you. And, you know, now I feel like I have to establish my strong network once again. You know, when I, I grew up on the Jersey shore, when I left this community, I established a strong network of folks where I knew I could be protected um, on certain landscapes. And now I'm, I'm right back there. And I don't think I've been complacent. I don't think that I've been, you know, with my head buried in the sand. I think that I've been, especially as a journalist for 20 years, I've been aware of what is happening. Um, 
But I think that, you know, it was the right for it was the perfect storm. It was the right formula. They played a long game. They did a shell. You know, the, the great thing about Trump was, oh, look at the stupid thing I'm doing over here while we're sliding this on through over here. Right. For me, that was what seemed to be happening. Um, so for me, this rally, even though and I can't attend because I have to work, I'm going to be there in spirit. But this is about empowering the people around you. It's about empowering the next generation like Nevaeh. It's about, you know, making women like Jess and Angie, who are superstars in our community and do a ton of stuff behind the scenes, know we're with them. We stand next to, to them. We support them. Tell me what you need and we'll get it for you. That's what this is about, because while it's not going to happen tomorrow, we're now going to play our long game. Right. And we're going to make sure that the next two generations that come behind us can go out into the world and feel safe and be empowered. And we are hitting the 51 minute mark. So I want to just bring up a couple of things. Rally is July 9th from four to six. Just so people know why we picked four is uh, Yvonne Clayton, uh, Councilwoman Yvonne Clayton, is one of the members uh, working on this rally and really very passionate about this topic and also felt like she wanted to make sure her base of women um, and men come out uh, in their 70s and, and didn't want beating heat down at like an 11, 12, 1 o'clock. And so, you know, um, we wanted to make sure people of all ages could come out and, and not have beating heat. And so we did four o'clock. I have to thank a couple people, Des and the Swagmatics, who will be performing Pamela Flores, who will be performing, um, a photographer who volunteered her time, Sarah, she's amazing. Um, House of Independence did our, um, our flyer, Jess, you have to say her name. Um, Mackenzie from House of Independence did our awesome flyer. Yeah, Planned Parenthood, League of Women Voters, um, big thank you. And then uh, I'm not gonna name our speakers yet because we're still working on that list. Um, but those are just some initial people we want to make sure that we thank Angie as one of our speakers. So I'll say her because she's on the podcast. Um, so definitely, definitely want to thank all of those uh, people for, you know, doing the work that they did to make this event come off, including the city of Asbury Park and the police department and Department of Public Works. I should also say um, Asbury Audio, who's also donating their services as well. So lots of people doing um, amazing, amazing things. And we'll have a lineup hopefully in a couple of days.